it's great to have you here. Come on in, find a seat, make yourself comfortable. We're, we call this a gathering intentionally because we're trying to deconstruct from a lot of the religious notions of what it means to experience Christ and be in his presence. It doesn't require a church building. It's not adherence to a moral code. And there aren't teams. There aren't the us and them or the we who made it in and those who we're still praying for. So we're deconstructing quite a bit. And I started thinking about this idea of salvation. How many of you have ever heard of the word salvation? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what hole you would have been buried in. Uh, and we want everybody, by the way, let's be sure everybody gets the handout, Nina, as well, sitting right there on the table, and uh, because this is very important. So I've been thinking about this idea of salvation, and oh, by the way, everybody that's, that's uh, watching in the live stream, thank you for being with us. And if you've just tuned in, found us on Facebook or what have you, I'm Jeff. I facilitate conversation here, and you're part this morning of the Genesis Gathering. So I'm explaining um, what I'm leading up to here in our message for today. I've been thinking a lot about this term and this word salvation. And I decided I was going to teach on it. What's it mean to be saved? Let's not have, okay, thanks. And I, I don't have any monitors. I can't tell what's on the screen. Could we tighten up on me, please? So I, I was preparing in my mind and starting looking up some scriptures and writing down some thoughts on how we believe and how are we saved and what does it mean to be saved. And then I'm in a public restroom and I find a track that has intentionally, I used to do this, it was left on the urinal. Um, and I picked it up and what do you suppose it said? Are you going to heaven or hell? <laughs> Are you saved? And I thought, oh, this is perfect. Love this. Yes, Jesus, you're speaking to me about my message. And then, turn off your phones, everybody. And then, guess what happens? I'm preparing to study and somehow, I don't know if it just came up in a margin or what I was doing in my searches and looking, a brand new series came out by N.T. Wright. Now, N.T. is one of my favorites. He is a world-class theologian, still living, cross-denominational barriers, has authored over 85 books, and guess what the title of his series is? Thinking Through Salvation. Thinking Through Salvation. And so I started to listen and I thought, well, I'll just take real good notes and then I'll reteach it. <laughs> right? You've, you've done that, right? Everybody's plagiarized. Good ideas need to be shared. Hey, hey, hey. And the more I listened, the more I realized 
you need to hear Tom Wright. You need to hear N.T. Wright say it the way N.T. Wright can only say it. So, I have downloaded all of the course, the entire course, and we're going to view today part one and part two. Week one, how should we define salvation? And the second part of that, the second message, what happens to you when you die? Now, each one of these messages is only about seven or eight minutes, okay? So today's message, since we'll be viewing two, is a total of about 14 minutes, all right? Next week, we're going to listen to Tom explain the story of salvation in the Bible, part one, two, and three. We'll listen to all three parts. This is fascinating, folks. You, you, I just promise you, you can't miss. Please be here in person if you can, and if you can't, be watching. All right. Be sure to be watching if you can't make it in person. The story of salvation in the Bible. Because salvation isn't an event. It's a whole story. And it starts not with Jesus on the cross. It goes all the way back into the Old Testament. I digress. Week three. Just how fallen is creation? Is, is that really part of the story? Is there really such a thing as a fall? Did we fall? And then secondly, how creation gets rescued. So that'll be week three. Then week, uh, week three, week four, and it's not properly designated on the slide. That should say week four. Why do we need salvation? And why does salvation matter now? In front of you, you have a piece of paper. It's double-sided. That's just so that you had extra room. Please feel free to use both sides. There are two messages today. Message one and message two. You'll see them there on your paper. Take some notes as things come to you. But secondly, notice down at the bottom of each side, questions. This isn't you writing down questions they give. This is you, as you're listening, You'll have questions about the subject, I promise you. So just to jog your memory so you don't forget what you're thinking, write down your questions so that you can ask it at the end of the video presentation. N.T. Wright, whose full name is Nicholas Thomas Wright, is a prominent theologian, scholar, and author known for his profound contributions to the fields of biblical studies and Christian theology. Born on December 1st, 1948 in Morpeth, North Berlin, United Kingdom, Wright's academic career has been marked by a commitment to exploring the historical and theological content of the New Testament and early Christianity. Wright has held several prestigious academic positions, including serving as the Bishop of Durham in the Church of England, he is widely recognized for his rigorous scholarship and his ability to bridge the gap between academic theology and the broader Christian community. His writings, which include numerous books, and I, as I mentioned, over 85 books and articles, have had a significant impact on contemporary discussions surrounding Jesus, the resurrection, and the Christian faith. N.T. Wright's work has not only shaped theological discourse, but has also sparked thoughtful dialogue and debate among theologians, clergy, and lay people alike.
his dedication to a more comprehensive understanding of the Bible and its implications for Christian belief and practice continues to influence and inspire individuals around the world. And with that, here is week one, how should we define salvation and what happens when you die? In this collection of videos, we're thinking through how we understand and perhaps misunderstand the whole notion of salvation. What is Christianity all about? In this collection of videos, we're going to be looking at the meaning of this wonderful term salvation and putting it in its larger biblical framework. And as we do so, there's all kinds of exciting things which come out, which I think many Christians today simply miss out on because they've quite rightly grasped something important but have failed to see how it connects up with all the other important things that the Bible has to say. I suspect if I was to go out on the street here in Oxford where we're making these videos and ask people what's Christianity all about, quite a lot of people would say it's about salvation. And if you pressed them and said, um, what exactly do you mean by salvation? They would look a bit surprised and they'd say, well, you know, going to heaven when you die, stuff like that. And indeed, I think when people say they believe in Christianity, often that is the primary thing they mean. And indeed, when people say they don't believe in Christianity, the primary thing they don't believe is about people going to heaven when they die. But going to heaven, oddly, is not apparently the subject of either the Old Testament or the New Testament. Many people just assume it is and so read all sorts of things in the Bible as though that's what it's saying. But actually, again and again, in both Old and New Testaments, the point is not how do humans find their way up to somewhere called heaven, but how does the God of heaven come to dwell with us or for us or amongst us? Again and again, that's, as it were, the direction of travel. So what does salvation mean when we put it in that larger framework? It's a big word, it's an important word. So some other people have said, well, salvation actually isn't about us going to heaven, it's about us trying to make the world a better place now. If you look at people who are refugees and homeless, if you look at people who are hungry and desperately sick, then telling them that there's a salvation which is pie in the sky when you die doesn't seem to address their immediate concern. And one of the things we know about Jesus of Nazareth is he went around addressing people's immediate concerns. So it looks as though we might be getting something wrong if we simply talk about what can become an escapist vision. Let's get out of here and go somewhere nicer. What about the people who are hurting on the street, uh, floating around looking for somewhere to land their refugee boats in the real world here and now? And so many Christians have said, actually, that's what salvation is all about. The trouble with that is it's been tried before and there's a kind of a, a sinking feeling. At the beginning of the 20th century, many Christians said, ah, this Christianity thing is about us making the world a better place. And then we had the First World War and then we had the Holocaust and all that and so many other horrors. And people have largely given up the idea that if only Christians tried a bit harder, that's what they would do. Now, of course, the early Christians, if we say, what is this movement that you're part of all about, they would talk about Jesus himself. 
And when you talked with them about Jesus himself, Jesus would not just be the means to an end. Oh, well, Jesus is the means by which you get to heaven, or Jesus is the means by which we make the world a better place. But Jesus is himself the focal point, the one who explains to us, not just in words, but in deeds and in his very person, what life is really all about and what life can and should be all about. And yes, Jesus, of course, talked not infrequently about people being saved. But, and I remember being confused by this when I was quite a young man thinking about it, often when Jesus talks about somebody being saved, it means they've just been healed. He heals a blind person and says, your faith has saved you. And what he means quite clearly is now you can see again. And that happens several times so that salvation on Jesus' own lips seems to mean more than something after this life. It includes God doing things in the, in the present time which are uh, rescuing the situation. And of course, salvation means rescue, something which was in a mess being made better, something which was hurting being healed, something which was lost being found. Think of Jesus' stories about uh, the prodigal son. Uh, your, this, your brother, was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive again. But all of this happens within the context where Jesus is talking about something else. And he doesn't use the word salvation as the primary thing that he's trying to get across. He talks about the kingdom of God. And when he talked about the kingdom of God, I, as a young man reading that, assumed that the kingdom of God meant heaven, meant going to heaven. But when you look and see what Jesus is saying, he teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. It's about heaven coming to earth, not about us earthlings going to heaven. So how does that work? What is the kingdom of God? And how does it bring about the salvation of which Jesus himself spoke and which the early Christians celebrated and we today know is part of the very heart of what we're all about? Well, the kingdom of God does include God's ultimate purpose, which transcends death, God's ultimate purpose for a new world in which however we die, God is going to give us a new life in his presence forever. That's there, but it needs to be thought through. And likewise, because it's about Jesus talking about God's kingdom coming on earth as in heaven, that is there as well, because earth needs to be rescued from so many things. And ultimately, we are told that will happen when Jesus comes again to complete the work that he began in his public career. But when we think about what it means to be saved, we've got a more complicated map than we might have imagined when we started out. And so in this series of talks, this, this little sequence of videos, we're going to be looking at how that actually works out. And as we go through, you'll see that the, 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 the meaning of salvation remains central, but we'll be teasing out in the way that the Bible teases it out, the way it actually works and how we can plug into it for ourselves. In this collection of videos, we're looking at the question of salvation and how it fits within the larger biblical story, which is, of course, where we find the promises of salvation upon which Christians um, over the last 2,000 years have depended so strongly. The problem is, as I hinted in a previous uh, video, that so many Christians think of salvation simply in terms of going to heaven. 
And if you say, well, it doesn't quite mean that, people say, well, isn't there then a hope for what happens to me after death or somebody that I've loved who's died, what's the hope for them? And the strong answer has to be, yes, of course, right through the Bible, but especially in the New Testament, the teaching of Jesus and the early church, it is clear that the God who made the world is sovereign over death and beyond, and his love is unbreakable and unshakable, and death itself can't touch it. But the way that that story comes out as it gets clarified in the New Testament is, to many people's surprise, a two-stage post-mortem reality. It isn't about dying and going to heaven. It's about dying and then waiting until God makes his whole new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, and gives us new bodies to be part of that new creation. Now, when I say this to people, often they say, well, what about the time in between? And the answer to our surprise is that the New Testament writers aren't very interested in the question of where are people between bodily death and bodily resurrection. There are little hints. Jesus says to the brigand who is being crucified alongside him, today you will be with me in paradise. But paradise isn't a word meaning the ultimate destination. It's a word meaning a blissful garden where you go to be rested and refreshed until the new thing happens for which we're all waiting. And there are other passages similarly. Paul says in Philippians, my desire, as he's there in prison quite expecting to face the death penalty, says my desire is to depart and be with the Messiah, which is far better. And then he says, but actually to remain in the flesh is going to be helpful for you, so that's probably what's going to happen. But going to be with Christ, going to be with Jesus the Messiah, isn't the end of the story. It is the temporary place where God looks after his people until the time when he makes his new creation and raises us from the dead. That's how the biblical story of salvation actually works. Because, and this is the crucial thing, Salvation is not salvation from the world, it's God's salvation of the world. God so loved the world, says John, in one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And when Jesus says, my kingdom is not from this world, in, later on in John's Gospel, he doesn't mean my kingdom is an otherworldly thing. He means my kingdom doesn't grow within this world. It's not from this world in that sense but it is for this world. It's about new creation, because salvation is ultimately God's rescue of his whole world and his people from death itself. And if we think in terms of the old story which comes from uh, very popular philosophies in the first century and uh, which eased their way into the church thinking in roughly the third and fourth centuries and have been to and fro in Christian thinking ever since, that sense of a soul leaving this world, leaving this body, and going into a non-bodily, otherworldly existence, that isn't actually rescue from death. That is more or less a description of death. And the Bible is quite emphatic. Think of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that the last enemy is death itself, and death is to be defeated. Death is to be swallowed up, he says, in victory. 
So the normal assumption of a soul leaving a body and going off to a place called heaven simply isn't sustained in the New Testament. Indeed, the New Testament never uses the word heaven to describe or denote the place where God's people go either after their death or the long-term future after the, the new creation has been inaugurated. This is, as I said, a philosophical idea which crept into Christianity and certainly when I was growing up it was the assumption of all the people that I knew in the churches that I attended and so on. So salvation then in the Bible is not rescue from the good creation. It's the rescue of the good creation, including ourselves within that. The trouble, you see, is that if you say salvation is about leaving this world and going off somewhere else, then when you read the Old Testament, mm. it looks as though mm. it's missing the point. Mm. It's not talking about people dying and going to heaven, um, because uh, uh, there are hardly any passages in the Old Testament which even hint at such a thing. Okay, Elijah is taken up to heaven in a whirlwind, but there's no sense that he is thereby being a role model. Indeed, in the book of Malachi, it says that uh, Elijah will come back to restore all things before God himself comes to dwell with his people on earth to put everything right at last. And in the New Testament as well, you can ransack it for texts which you can make speak about dying and going to heaven. But again and again, if you do that, you find what you've done is you've dismantled the basic biblical story. We'll talk about this in a subsequent session in, in these videos. But the basic biblical story isn't about individuals going somewhere else. It's about God, God's creation, and God's rescue of, that's salvation of, his creation and his people. The Bible as a whole, with Jesus as its focal point, tells a larger story. The danger otherwise is that we end up with a formula. We say, well, okay, how do I get to heaven? And somebody says, well, you've got to believe this, or you've got to behave in a certain way, or you have to belong to this group, the church, or some subset of the church, or whatever. As though, if you get the formula right, you'll end up in heaven where you belong. But <laughs> the Bible isn't about that story to be reduced to a formula in that way. The Bible tells a very different story. It is precisely the story of salvation, but it isn't the way that most people have traditionally imagined. What, the, what is going on in the Bible is something we'll be looking at in subsequent videos. The next three messages will all be about that story, which is not about us going up somewhere. Oh my goodness. I hope you have questions. Yes, let me move my table back over here so I'm in the area, or do I even need one? Could I just, since I'm not teaching from a, my, my computer, can you follow me if I walk around a little bit, Darcy? So, all right, talk to me. Now, we have a microphone. If you have a question or a comment or an opinion or you just differ, it's okay to differ and say it, all right? We, we, the goal here isn't lockstep agreement, it's discussion. Uh, oh my gracious. I, I must say that uh, I started reading after N.T. Wright a, a decade ago and uh, I have numerous of his books 
He is perhaps the foremost source and foundation of good theology in my life right now. Um, just outstanding, outstanding. Um, how should we define salvation? What happens when you die? Any questions we want or comments we want to go on the live stream so people can hear you and so it's important to bring you the mic. Yeah. Just leave it on if you would, that mic. All right, I'll go first. Um, I had the, the, the thought of the, the person, uh, the thief on the cross next to Jesus, and she, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, and I wonder, there was, one, there was one thief who was belligerent and was like swearing and cursing, and then the other one was like, uh, you know, more kind and, and thoughtful and talking to Jesus. Um, are they both, did they both go with him to paradise that day? Is the question. Good question. And a companion question is, well, so when Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise, where did Jesus go after he died on the cross? Did he go up to heaven? He didn't, did he? Scripture says he went down into the bowels of the earth and he dealt with death and Hades and he took the keys. Yeah. So where did this person go? Question or comment at least over here. Well, the Bible does say that God's timing is not like ours. A day is like a thousand years with the Lord. And a thousand um, years so, is though a day, yeah. Yeah, so he's to say that he wasn't with him that day. And then um, the question we had, is there a heaven then? I mean, is there a heaven? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't want to get ahead of our teacher. Yeah, that's the problem with the questions, isn't it? And we do have, I have some typed out for you. Um, yes, but it's not what you think. And it's not the goal. And salvation isn't getting prepared to leave here so we can go there to heaven. That's why this series is so important and I'm so thankful for it. It would, would have just taken me years and years of study to even come close to what he presents in seven, eight minute segments. Wait, we have a question. Oh, would you hold it for me? Oh, are we the ones that decide we're going to go to heaven? I mean, I wonder Closer. sometimes. I can't hear her. Are we the ones that decide we're going to heaven? What's everybody I mean, think? Did you hear the question? Follow me. Are, are we the ones that decide 
that we're going to heaven. I see some people shaking their head. I see some people going, mm, is this a trick? <laughs> okay, we have a comment back here. You'll have to stay on your feet, buddy. <coughs> oh, okay, so. Well, I, <coughs> the word says that we are drawn to God by the Holy Spirit, but we have a free will, and so at the time I believe that we're inspired by the Spirit, we make a decision to accept Jesus as our Savior. Okay, so from the things that you've learned and studied, we ha there's an accountability or a responsibility to respond to the grace or the gift of salvation that's offered. Correct. Okay, we have a comment over here. Hold it real close to your mouth. I think the final decision will be made by him. You know, we'll go through life and, you know, through the journeys and everything. And I think the final answer will be through him. But uh, I think the best results uh, he will make. And uh, he's always looking to the good and the bad, like he always say, you know. But I think the final decision will be made by him. So your take on this would be God is faithful and God is just. Right. He will not make any bad decisions. Correct. And I think sometimes the decisions have already been made because he knows. Okay. I'd go ahead and just keep the camera here unless, yeah. Who else? Nina now? Yeah, you're free to comment on or ask anew. Whatever you'd like. Well, I'm going to comment on what the question was do we have to do anything was that the question uh the question posed how how do we do yeah. we decide do we, do decide? we decide that's right yeah yeah well what i've come to believe i didn't used to believe this but it, i mean i believed part of it but i see it differently now so if by grace we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves lest any man should boast it's the free gift of god ephesians 2 but then we have to make a decision, then who saved us? Did he save us or did I save me because of my decision? Your prayer, your decision. My, did your my prayer whatever, save me? Right. right, but see, I've come to believe it's totally by grace and by nothing that I do. So your position would be that there isn't anything you can do mm -hmm. or add mm -hmm. to the, quote, salvation. Mm -hmm. And remember, we haven't even defined that yet. Mm -hmm. the, the salvation isn't getting saved from your sins and going to heaven. But we think it is. That's the way I was taught. That's why we're having this series. But keeping it on sort of that basis, that when I die, what's going to take me to heaven? Or when I die, am I saved and I'm going to go to heaven? You're saying that, there, that that is by grace, it's something he did, and nothing I can do can add anything. Otherwise it becomes not doing fully it. him. Right. It's something I had to do. Now, I would like to add, I do believe, though, that we can choose to follow Jesus in this life and um, get the, uh, have the pleasure of walking with him through this life but that's different than I've got to make a decision in order to have everlasting life 
I think we have everlasting life only because of what Jesus did, not because of my decision. Let's throw up that first question, Jeff, because it really sort of encapsulates everything presently being discussed. So this is talk one, question one. How does the speaker's interpretation of salvation in this study challenge traditional Christian beliefs about going to heaven after death? How might this alternative perspective on salvation impact the way people understand their faith? Okay, microphone. I have a question here. Um, you have a question to the question. Right. Is, um, is heaven, heaven halfway and we're not really there yet to the finish? Like, you know, we're waiting there till everybody is cleansed and everybody, and then we go to a greater place. And that is my question. I'll, I'll just comment that within the, generally speaking, the Catholic faith and practice, there is a middle area. This would be true of Mormons as well. Right. There's a place after death where you go that's sort of a holding place. It was described here as a garden, right? The literal meaning of paradise. Correct. When Jesus said, this day will you be with me in paradise, wasn't heaven up with God, the throne, the angels, but a garden-like place of complete peace and rest. Mormons believe you can, be, you can be baptized in this life to get people out of there. Catholics have believed, different segments, that you can pray people out of there. The word generally for it is purgatory. Correct. Okay. I'm not attempting to answer all of these with a here's what Jeff says or here's what the Bible says because that would negate the purpose for the next series uh, of videos. So next week, right, the story of salvation, how all of this unfolded, what is it? It's going to answer a lot of these questions. There's a part one, two, and three to it just in that week. Yeah. It's nothing about your questions. It's something different. Okay. Um, don't myself have to be safe in coming from God before God decide if I'm going to heaven or not? Repeat that. Say it over the microphone. Okay. So since she, Nina, understood You're saying, her. do you need to be saved in order to go to heaven? Is that what you said? I think that's what we're asking. I think that's the question of this whole series is what, number one, what is salvation? Does salvation mean we're going to heaven? Or does salvation mean something else? Number one, it's a whole new train of thought. And then secondly, that is what we're asking right now. My personal belief is no, you don't need to decide. Uh, other people in here have said yes, you, wait, they think they, you do need to decide. I think that Jesus did it by grace entirely and gave us eternal life 
it by his grace. That's what I believe, but there are others in here who are either still pondering what they believe or have a different belief. And so I'm, I'm going to I'm add a little, not confusion, but I want to summarize something our speaker said this morning. You can bring the question down, Jeff. So we're all talking from a place of very traditional American evangelical teaching. I want to emphasize American evangelical teaching. This understanding of salvation is not broadly held by the church in the East. And for us to say, well, we're right, mm, that's, I'm not comfortable with that myself. Okay. It is not even universal amongst the Christian church that what we believe in America in Western, it's called Western evangelicalism is that the primary reason to accept Christ is to get quote saved from our sins and go to heaven after we die so our author contends that's not even the story Heaven isn't actually even really used in Old and New Testaments. So the story isn't about us getting saved and leaving. Underscore this. It's about God coming and rescuing us from this mess. So I would say to those of us that are still troubled with who's in, who's out, kind of to your point Ray so does that mean God's going to pick some to rescue when he comes back into this whole thing he's already started it in Jesus that's why Jesus came not to take us to heaven Jesus came to implement his kingdom bringing heaven on earth but we're living in the part of that right now but the rest of it's going to come when that comes so my question to you would be so God's going to say okay you're in you're out you're, you're in you're okay you're out <laughs> and on what basis Nina's saying Jesus died for the world Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 verses 19 through 21 God was in Christ reconciling the world not churchgoers not people who have just prayed the prayer or gone forward and shook the preacher's hand or followed the what our speakers say the formula of salvation that's not even in the Bible alright he has reconciled the whole world to himself not counting their trespasses against them I just quoted you verbatim the scripture God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them so salvation isn't about forgiveness salvation isn't about leaving and going to heaven we've got to stop <laughs> we've got to stop this is so fun it's already almost 1130 we, we haven't had our time of prayer and then of course you know that we're going to have 
uh, we're going to have uh, who's got the mic? We're, I've we're, got the uh, mic. We're going to have a let me have it. For, we're, we're going to have a potluck. Man, that took a long time to say, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. It so did. this is just going to be a comment, not a whole story, right? No, I got it. <laughs> just don't worry, I got it. You're always so good. Yeah, back up. <laughs> okay, well, I this is what I think. Okay, uh, he says that he goes to prepares the place for us, and I believe that salvation is a gift. You know, it's something that he has for us. You know, it's not something that we have to perform to get it. It's a, something that he wants to give us. And uh, so it's, it's, it's there for us to take, you know. And, and like I said, and he, he prepares a it's place for us. It's ours to take. Because it says in the word that he prepares a place for us. Good word. And with that... <laughs> okay, so this raises lots of questions, which is exactly what we want to do, by the way. This is exactly what we want to do. We're done with the days of simply standing up here and telling you what you have to believe. We're done with those days of that kind of preaching. Um, you know, you can't look at all the different denominations and who have clearly split off because they have different beliefs that they each believe, we each believe, we can find in the Bible and simply say we're the ones who are right. They're all wrong. That just can't be. That just can't be. Everybody is carrying portions of truth and God and well they're carrying God and they're they're carrying truth and we need to open our hearts and our minds and examine these things to even find out that there's other places in the world that don't believe the message we've believed for 40 years is eye-opening eye-opening but they love Jesus passionately there's got to be something to that and while it may bring some confusion to your minds, and you want everything to be in this nice, neat little bundle, we gotta kinda let go of that. This is about walking with the, this is not about walking with your Bible. It's great to have, I, 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 I thank God for the Bible. But it's not about walking with your Bible, it's about walking with Jesus. Each one of you walk with Jesus. Each one of us walk with Jesus. And loving one another, even when we don't believe all the same things, we're not going to walk out of here believing all the same things, and that's okay. So it's not an we're right, you're wrong, or you're right, we're wrong. It's a we. We are in this together walking with Jesus and, and praying and asking him about these things. I know my wife pretty well. <laughs> she just got the preach on her. <laughs> I mean, she got passionate. She loves Jesus. And bingo. And bingo. <laughs> and bingo. That's too. I'm down here somewhere, but oh, but yeah, in truth, Jesus and Jeff. It the say, reason right? she is so passionate, in my view, and we share this is because for decades, literally, we were under such a weight and such a judgmental lifestyle. And if we met you, we wanted to suck you into that 
and tell you how you had to change in order to accept our Jesus. And oh my gosh, to be free of all of that. Yes, I'm at more peace than I've ever been in my entire life. Well, and you've probably influenced more people literally for Jesus in a positive way in recent years than we have in a decade of, of quote, church ministry, pulpit ministry, inviting people forward and they know how much you love them. Some of them are in this room right now because of you loving them well, mm -hmm. not preaching Jesus to them. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, okay, thank you for that. Well, before we pray, I'm going to do something that's not prayerful. I'm going to let you know a little bit about the potluck. I had put these pins out so you can mark your water bottles so that we can find them again when you really want your water. <laughs> So pass, yeah, pick, put those back down. If you're going to take your water with you, mark your bottles. <laughs> and then secondly, I just want you to know that we have enough dessert for you to have some as appetizers. Eat your main meal, have dessert, play bingo, eat some more dessert. We have got dessert coming out of our ears today, and it all looks so yummy. So anyway, just thought I'd tell you that. Now we can pray because we're going to have so much dessert. We're going to have to pray over that dessert. <laughs> but here are uh, prayer requests. If any of you do still have any prayer requests, there's still time to text me. To text me at 720-878-3323. And I prefer it this way because I have a hard time hearing if you're talking of what your prayer requests are. But let me tell you what I have so far. We found out this morning a, a friend of uh, one of St. John's members, his name is Clyde, has been told he just has a short time to live prostate cancer. We want to pray for Clyde. Anonymously, we were told by someone recently that they were told they only have two years to live. I won't name who that is. Um, we want to continue to pray for Barb's aunt, who we prayed for last week, who is in the hospital with, we don't know what, an infection. I don't know. She's got all kinds of things happening in her body. It's very difficult. She's been in the hospital a while. Um, we've had two people we know who have had transplants this past week. One was a bone marrow transplant, one was a kidney transplant. In the case of the kidney transplant, the father received the kidney and the son gave the kidney. So both of those transplants went well. Obviously, if you know anything about transplants, um, it takes a while for all of that to really solidify and for people to be healthy. So we're going to continue to pray for them. And um, in what way were you meaning when you just sent me that prayer request? Oh, I see the foot for, for Robert's feet, right? Okay, we will pray for you, Robert. That, was that correct? Okay, thank you. Anything else? So great to have you all here this morning. So great to have so many of you here this, mor this morning, by the way. Your brother, cancer? Okay, all right. I'll check the live stream. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Linda and Daryl are joining us this yeah, morning. Linda Honey, and Daryl's with us. That's childhood really good. friends of mine, and they moved out of state. And Hi. <laughs> Anything else that you see? I don't. All right. Well, let's, would you mind, do you feel like grabbing hands? Would you just grab a hand next to you in prayer? Father, we love you. One thing we are sure of is you are real. Yeah. <laughs> 
And Jesus, you are real. And Holy Spirit, you are real. And we're so grateful to have you in our lives and to walk with you every day. And for these people and these prayer requests, we thank you that you're walking with them. For Mary's brother, for those two who have had the, three who have had the transplants this week, for Barb's aunt, for Clyde, um, and for this other person who's told us about being given two years to live, Lord. And wow, all of these things are so big and overwhelming, and yet, Jesus, you can bring them peace that passes understanding. We thank you for doing that. We thank you for speaking to them, that they know your presence right there with them where they are, and they feel your comfort. Father, where there can be healing, we do pray for healing and recovery and long life and peace. And we thank you for your goodness to us, Lord Jesus. We thank you for all all that you are. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week will be part two of our video series with NT, The Story of Salvation from the Bible. Part one, two, and three. We're going to listen to all three parts. So that'll be our longest session. Otherwise, again, these are just as you witnessed here today. They're about that long. We saw two of nine today. Next week, three. And then the next two weeks, two each. Potluck directions. Potluck directions.